You're listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent in Birmingham, Alabama, a church with a heart for the gospel. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org. I simply want to tackle one verse today, and that's the last verse of our psalm, uh, 111 uh, verse 10. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. All those who practice it have a good understanding. His praise endures forever. We live uh, in a fearful world. In fact, I would expect if we examined our own lives that how we live our lives is more often than not motivated by fear. Sometime along and Nike began, I remember when I was uh, coming along, Nike Airs, and uh, my mother knew that I wanted a pair of them so badly, and so we went out, and I showed her which ones I wanted, tried them on, uh, but she liked the pair without the bubble better. I wanted, tried them on, uh, but she liked the pair without the bubble better, and it was sheer humiliation. Uh, no bubble, no shoes is how I felt about it. And of course, uh, I felt like a second class citizen uh, because I didn't have the bubble in the shoes. Because without the bubble, I was fearful that I might be thought of as poor because having a bubble was more expensive or uncool. Uh, and in fact, else who had Nike bubbles in their Nike Airs. Or for many of us, a fear of growing old or thought of as being old. I've fallen growing old, or thought of as being old. I've fallen into this trap any number of times here at the Advent. Uh, I once referred to Frank Limehouse as a man getting along in years uh, and was approached by someone. Uh, Frank is now in his uh, late 70s, and someone took offense to that uh, because they said, I'm the same age as Frank. And I said, well, then you're getting along in years. <laughs> Uh, and in fact, uh, our attitudes and even the work that we'll have done on our bodies in order to make people think that we're a whole lot younger than we already are. This is why I love my mother-in-law, who when she turned 50, decided to tell everybody that she was 10 years older than she was. And she's done that for her whole life. So now, according to the, everybody else thinks that she's in her uh, mid-80s. Uh, and, and, uh, and they say, you look amazing. And she says, I know. <laughs> Or a fear of rejection. We're seeing this played out in people's lives, especially the lives of folks that the age of getting married is being prolonged if they get married at all because so many live their lives to avoid hurt and so they avoid relationships altogether. Or a fear of failure. You don't reach for a school or university that you'd like to apply to because you're afraid you might not get in or you remain in the job that makes you unhappy. And so it goes. Our whole lives tend to be governed by fear in large part. But God says that there is only one fear that we are to concern ourselves with, because if we understand that fear, all other fears fade into nothing. If we're beholden by one fear, the others are gone. And this fear is the fear of the Lord. But what does it mean to fear the Lord? There seem to be two extremes in the life of the church. One by denying who God will fear of the judgment of God. The other is to live life as if God does not really care about us. The other 
is to live life as if God does not really care about our behavior, and therefore we can live life however we see fit. In a word, both of these tendencies are atheistic. They both hold a belief that God is contrary to how God reveals himself in the Bible. And it's not that the truth is to be found in the middle. We would be wrong to start analyzing certain sins to determine God's feeling on each. feels than someone who lies. And so, speaking as a liar, God is angrier with a lot of other people than he is with me. Those two extremes and the one compromise... And most people fit into one of those three categories, or we find ourselves in flux between them. The question is not, what do we think it means to fear the Lord, or why do we think we ought to, or ought not to fear the Lord, but what does God say about it? Indeed, there is a rational fear for the unbeliever that an unbeliever almost never, ever holds. That's why Paul says, I used to think I was a pretty good guy until I became together. My religious faith was completely intact until I became a Christian. And the moment I met Jesus, the wrath of God. For the unbeliever, that's a realistic fear. To fall under the judgment of God. Where there is no hiding. And it would be better that the mountains even fall upon us than to fall under the judgment of God. But what about the fear of the Lord for the believer? Is it the same fear that the unbeliever has? No. God is not Santa Claus who's making a list and checking it twice, who's going to find out who's naughty or nice. He's not out to get you. He's not the mean dean as a believer. Nor should we fall into the trap of thinking that there is some great difference between the God of the Old Testament and the God of the New. Where the God of the Old Testament is the mean disciplinarian and the God of the New is all sunshine and lollipops and love and you can do no wrong. Indeed, there is no difference whatsoever. Paul says in Romans chapter 3 verse 18 something about the fear of God. He talks about those who are righteous, no, not one, no one who seeks God. All have turned aside. Together they have become worthless. No one does good, not even one. And not fear God. There is no fear of God before their eyes. To not fear no manner, and in any way that you see fit, and I think manner, and in any way that you see fit, and I think that that marks our world. We see around us a complete and total lack of fear of who God is. And it's because we don't understand who God is that there's no fear of God in our world. But we see here in Psalm 111 that the psalmist has given us all these great attributes of God, the works of God, the splendor and majesty of God, his wondrous works, the grace and mercy of God, his provision his covenant being forever, the power of his works, the inheritance of the nations, the works of his hands. All his precepts are trustworthy. He's established forever and his redemption to his people. He has commanded his covenant forever. Therefore, holy and awesome is his name. To fear the Lord is to know who you are and to know who God is. God is holy and awesome. 
we have no concept of this in America because like my kid's Lego movie, everything is awesome. Right? If everything is awesome, how, we have awesome. How was dinner? It was awesome. God is. The reverence and awe of God and understanding as the author of Hebrews tells is. The reverence and awe of God and understanding as the author of Hebrews tell us that, tells us that our God is a consuming fire. It's to be overwhelmed by who he is and what he's done for us in the Lord Jesus Christ. When was the last time you were overwhelmed by God? Because the difference for the unbeliever, who obviously doesn't give a thought of God, although they should, and that's a real well-founded fear, fear for the unbeliever is different. It's understanding who we are and the mercy and grace that God has shown to us in the Lord Jesus Christ, that he's made us heirs of salvation by adoption through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. For us, it's to be overwhelmed by who God is and what he's done for us in Jesus in light of who we are. And it's easy to lose that. I know Jesus died for my sins. But do you ever stop and think of the great lengths that God has gone to in order to purchase you and to make you his son or his daughter? He does that. It wasn't Jesus is dying on the cross. He's not thinking of some faceless blob of humanity, but he has in mind your face and your name. I died for your name. I died for you. Certainly he died for the world to make a people for himself, but in particular he dies for you. Is the, and to be able to have fellowship with God is the greatest miracle ever wrought. That when someone comes to salvation in Jesus Christ, the angels, all of heaven erupts in chorus because there is no greater miracle in the world than that. And if you know that in your heart, that leads to wisdom. Now, wisdom is not an attribute that is sought after in our world. If you could wish for anything, anything, would you ask for wisdom? This is what Solomon asks for in 1 Kings. But most of us, me included, would probably ask for wealth, happiness, healing, looks, which some of us have been blessed with. <laughs> but not wisdom. Well, the answer is in verse 10. It says we must begin with reverence for God, and it adds we must know God's word, the Bible, since it is, the, it is only those who follow his precepts who have good understanding. All those who practice it have a good understanding. Wisdom comes from knowing God, who he is, knowing who you are in light of Jesus Christ, your sinfulness, that you're more utterly sinful than you ever thought possible, but you're more loved than you could ever imagine. But you also understand wisdom by your eyes being opened to God's word. Because now that you're in fellowship with God, you're reading the Bible in a way that you could never read it before. Because it's God's word to you now, not just words on a page. 
and those who follow his precepts in his word have a good understanding. In fact, the Hebrew word reshith translated here means the starting point or the first principle. Reverence for God is the bedrock requirement if we're to be wise. And without it, we can't even take the first step towards wisdom. It's being immersed in God's word. Martin Luther said, We are accustomed to admit freely that God is more powerful than we are, but not that he is wiser than we are. To be sure, we say that he is, but when it comes to a showdown, we don't want to act on what we say. So the fear of the Lord for a Christian is a strange thing because it's actually no fear at all. It's reverence and awe for God and what he's done for us in Jesus Christ. But what we're reminded by in 1 John 4.18 is what? Perfect love casts out fear. So all the fears that I talked about at the beginning, your fear of being accepted, uh, of being in this world, or even your fear of the dark, whatever it might be, that when the love of God enters into your life and you're completely overwhelmed and consumed by it, those other fears are cast out. Have the stronghold that you creep up into your heart. They don't have the stronghold that you once did. So you can walk with confidence into junior high school with your non-bubble Nike Air tennis shoes. Because your confidence is in Christ and his perfect love has cast out the fear of judgment from your peers. You don't want to do this job anymore. You can actually say, I don't want to do this job anymore. And I trust that the Lord is going to take care of me. I'm not being irresponsible anymore. I'm unhappy. I'm miserable. It's affecting my family. And I'm actually going to stop and ask God, what are you affecting my family? And I'm actually going to stop and ask God, what do you want me to do with my life? Because at the end of the day, making as much money as possible is not my aim. You have a complete reorientation of priorities because the love of Christ has entered into your heart. Perfect love casts out all fear. If you want to be wise, it begins with understanding who God is and who you are. Apart from that, in this world, you will have no wisdom. None at all. You'll be like the one that, that, Roman, that Paul talks about in Romans, each going your own way and doing whatever you think is wise in your own sight, which is a dead end, which is a dead end. It means that you're going to be consumed and wound up about all of those things, those fears that grip you. And so actually fearing the Lord, understanding God and who you are in Jesus Christ leads to wisdom Understanding his perfect love that casts out fear leads to perfect freedom and freedom. Amongst us doesn't want that. Wisdom and freedom in a world oppressed by fear. Brothers and sisters, let us pray. Lord, we admit that we are overwhelmed and consumed by fear. Lord, we admit that we are overwhelmed and consumed by fears in our lives. And so we try to take the wheel ourselves and to steer our life in a direction that we think is wise. But Lord, when we stand in awe and wonder of you 
and know just how awesome you are, we have no choice but to let go of the wheel and to understand our own brokenness. And so, Lord, we do pray that you would take over the driver's seat of our life, enter in, Lord, instill in our hearts that perfect love that casts out all fear. For, Lord, we beg and we pray to live lives of freedom and lives of wisdom through your Son, Jesus, in whose name we pray. Amen. You've been listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent. If you live in Birmingham or find yourself visiting, we hope you'll join us at one of our Sunday services. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org.